A reading from Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the good news. Please be seated. This story comes on the heels of Jesus' baptism when, as we heard about a month ago, when that text came up, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove and the voice of God said, this is my son, the beloved. In that story, in that moment, Jesus was claimed as God's own. His identity was solidified, a very strong beginning to his ministry for sure and all that lay ahead, except that the text says that just after this, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Yikes. So much for lead us not into temptation, right? Are we allowed to opt out of the Spirit's presence in our lives if that's how she works? Asking for a friend. Never fear, the Greek doesn't actually say that. It doesn't say that the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. It says, the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness. Full stop. Then the next sentence says, he was tempted by the devil. Full stop. They're not actually connected in any way as far as we know. Though we still might wonder, we might wonder why the Spirit led Jesus into the wilderness in the first place. Sounds lonely, dangerous and it certainly can be. Yet, throughout the Gospels, we find that Jesus often went away by himself to isolated places on purpose. Those were times that he connected with God, times maybe when he connected with himself a little bit more, times when he could listen and be still and focus and catch his breath. We even hear that as he was in the wilderness, he was fasting a spiritual practice before the tempter showed up. Perhaps this time in the wilderness alone to ponder his recent baptism and his upcoming ministry was meant to be a gift from the Spirit. A time of solitude to get get fortified, to get ready, a time to deeply root himself in his identity without distraction. But of course, distraction just finds us everywhere, doesn't it? And it often comes looking for us, especially when we're trying to do the hard work of leaning into our identity, of finding our purpose, of shoring ourselves up for the path we hope to walk. 
The, the moment we feel like we have some clarity on who we are, in my experience, the world immediately rushes in to test it, yes? And so the tempter showed up. Now whether you like to think of the tempter as this embodied thing in red tights with horns and a pitchfork, it's fine if that's your thing, or, or more as like this sweeping invisible force of evil in the world, or something else entirely, or something in between, we've all experienced that voice in our heads, right? That voice that asks the question that Jesus was asked over and over in this text, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? That voice that encourages us to gaslight ourselves, to question our belovedness, to lay down our identity as something we can't possibly be worthy of and to slip into whatever it was that's always been, the way it's always been. In Jesus' world, the way it had always been was the way of the empire. The way it had always been was that Caesar was given the title Son of God. And his MO was to use violence, oppression, and inequity to gain and maintain power. The way of the world was to hoard all the resources that he could to make sure everybody relied on him for life so that he could stay on top and make all the rules and receive all the glory. And then here came Jesus named and claimed as the Son of God. Do you see where the problem is? Okay, prove it, the tempter said. Prove it. Be that leader, be like all the leaders. If you are the Son of God, if you are who you say you are, dive headfirst into the same spectacle that they provide for us. Make sure people look to you instead of God for their source of hope and life and use whatever means necessary to destroy Caesar's kingdom and usher in your own. What's it gonna be, Jesus? Who are you going to be? And the tempter offered some pretty good stuff. I kind of wonder if Jesus hesitated even a little before answering. I wonder. Surely he knew all that lay ahead of him. A struggling grassroots effort for justice. Healings that would have him run out of town. The in-person equivalent of internet trolls yelling awful things in his face. Confused disciples who never seemed to understand him. Friends who said, yeah, yeah, I got your back, and then either gave him up to the oppressors or turned and ran the second they got scared. Add in the fear of the inevitable pain and suffering and excruciating execution at the hands of the empire he hoped desperately would change their ways. Whether he hesitated or not, his answer was resounding. Jesus knew exactly who he was. He knew exactly how he wanted to live that identity out in the world. Jesus refused to go the way of corrupt shortcuts or empty self-serving shows of power. He could have. He could have spoken a word and the Roman Empire would collapse to the ground. He could have summoned armies of angels and wiped out the oppressor. But to what end? If his goal was love and not fear, what would that have meant for God's people? Can we trust a 
do as I say and not as I do kind of leader? Can we trust a son of God who calls us to peace by establishing his kingdom through violence? Who calls us to welcome and inclusion by destroying anybody who could be part of the community? Who calls us to forgive one another without offering that same grace to those who have lost their way, even if they've lost their way pretty deeply? Jesus wanted to ensure that we need not look to earthly leaders to find our own identity, that our hope and our source of life would be God, not an ever-changing line of kings. Jesus wanted to ensure that a kingdom could be established that would never end, even if it had to run kind of alongside and through and over other kingdoms that were happening on the earth. He wanted to make sure that the glory was only found only found in God's unconditional loving relationship with all of creation. Now I suppose he also could have used some sort of like time warp to accomplish all that, right? He was God. He could have like just fast forwarded through the hard parts. He could have created this weird loop and work around the pain, a little bypass. He could have changed all of reality without putting in any sweat equity at all. But we don't have that option, do we? How on earth could we ever relate to him? Jesus chose the complicated and messy way because friends, our lives are complicated and messy, aren't they? There aren't clear and easy answers. There's not simple paths and usually if they are, they're more than likely a lie. The tempter trying to get us to cut corners. So Jesus did his work the most human way he could in the raw, mundane, earthy day-to-day. He did this so that we stood a chance at following in his missional footsteps. Saving us with this big, flashy show of power doesn't give us any hope to be disciples. Saving us as one of us invites us into a journey that we're actually capable of going on. If we can't avoid the hard parts, then Jesus refuses to do so. He would not lean into any privilege if it wasn't a privilege that all of us can't lean into. And so Jesus looked the tempter in the eye and said, I know exactly who I am, and your way is not the way. Jesus refused to fall in line He forged a new path. The devil could not co-opt him. The empire could not scare him. Jesus was confident in his identity and his mission would not be deterred because he chooses love over fear every time. And so the question comes to us, church. Who do you think you are? Who are we? Who do we find our identity in? How do we find confidence and trust in that identity when the world tempts us to turn away from it? When our identity is challenged, do we reach for fear or do we reach for love? I can confidently say that I have rarely been confident in this struggle. I have had a long, hard journey figuring out my identity wondering how it's evolving, and I'm guessing I'm not alone. The good news is that Jesus is Jesus, and we are not. We don't have to do it perfectly. In fact, 
We will not do it perfectly. Let me go ahead and just make that clear so we can all take a deep breath now. But Jesus' love for us helps pick us up each time we fall short of our truest selves. There is grace when we forget who we are. When we or the world convince us that we are not worthy of our identity, Jesus is there to remind us, yes, you are. You are mine, and nothing can change that. When we find ourselves face to face with the tempter, telling us to find the easy way, the self-serving way, the individualistic way, we can trust that God's spirit is right there by our side, helping to fend off any illusions. When we find ourselves in our various wildernesses, wondering how did I get here and why do I feel stuck here, let us take a deep breath and look around and see that maybe this time of quiet, this time of change, is a chance to connect, to remember who we are, to remember whose we are, to reconnect with God and find strength for whatever it is that lies ahead. Thanks be to God. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you that you are God and we are not. We thank you that Jesus knows how to face the tempter perfectly. We thank you that you are with us when we face that same tempter. You are with us when we give in. You are with us when we gaslight ourselves and believe all kinds of lies. You are with us when we forget that we are yours. Help us to remember always that we might walk out into the world, heads held high, knowing our identity. In Jesus' name, amen.